Welcome to Latino in Chicago. This is your host, Eric Lugo. 2017 is here, so Happy New Year. I'm glad to be dropping what I'm calling Season 1.5. As the holidays approached, I had quite a few great conversations in line, but I decided to hold out and take the time to refresh with family and friends. We're back, though, with a dynamic lineup and several great new conversations ahead, including connecting with folks in new areas like business, entrepreneurship, technology, and philanthropy. First up is Everett Gutierrez, president and founder of Legacy Leaders International. I first learned about the work of Legacy Leaders through my participation with the Chicago Community Trust's Latino Heritage Endowment called Nuestro Futuro. Everett and I eventually connected, and I thought the work he's doing to help shape future leaders in Chicago was pretty powerful. The mission to equip youth and adults with the tools to develop their maximum potential and become purposeful leaders resonated with me and I'm glad to have caught up with Everett to discuss their services and vision. In this episode, we learn about legacy leaders' approach to youth development in schools, the organization's goals for expansion into college services, including financial management and coaching, along with employee leadership development. Everett shared reflections on his own personal journey and how that led him to found the organization, and we hear some solutions for creating better opportunities for students and building strong leaders. Without further ado, here's Everett. Everett, welcome to Latino in Chicago. It's good to see you, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, Appreciate absolutely, it. Absolutely. Uh, why don't we start by talking about Legacy Leaders? What's what's the organization up to these days? Sure, sure. Um, man, a lot of a lot of great projects actually. Uh, our organization. I mean, as you know, we exist to provide youth and adults um, training experiences to develop their maximum potential so they can become purposeful leaders, right? So we've been working with youth since our inception in 2010, and we've played a critical role in just creating these opportunities for leadership growth and development. And um, more recently, we've just discovered that we have over a thousand alum who have gone through our program and our training. Wow. And so we've started to expand that platform to look at ways to serve those college students and individuals. So we're currently venturing into those platforms. And then in addition to that, um, we've had more adult audiences reach out and say, hey, we like and admire the leadership programming that you're doing for young people, but would you mind offering and extending that to adults and even employees in mm -hmm. some of our organizations? So. Um, it's been a, an interesting year to say the least because we've been sort of expanding but exploring things with uh, with time. Um, but uh, it's it's been rewarding, an amazing and rewarding experience to just continually work with young people. Yeah. Um, just recently, we got a recognition from Mayor Rahm Emanuel here in the city of Chicago. A resolution was passed in honor of the work that Legacy Leaders has done. Wow. So even though we're a small organization, about uh, five years old now, we've serviced over 3,000 individuals. Wow. So we are very proud of our work and very honored to be recognized even on platforms like this mm -hmm. so that we can continue to talk about our mission of impacting lives and changing people. Yeah. yeah. So what's your approach to, to that? You're, you spend most of your time in high schools, is that correct? Yeah. And, and, and what type of services are you offering to those students or schools? Sure, sure. Um, so we, we um, currently have been operating with youth and offering a youth development leadership component for about um, four or five years now. Mm -hmm. And the way that works is that there's there's separate things that we do for the schools and the organizations that we partner with when it comes to delivering effective youth quality programming. 
Um, so one of the things that we do is classroom workshops. We go into the classroom and we actually deliver a series of workshops based on the needs of the school and what staff and teachers have identified as problematic areas that they would like to address. So our curriculum focuses on developing character, right? And we're, all, we're always looking at a morals and values-based approach, which is what I think distinguishes our organization from others, is we're really trying to derive good and positive values that are meaningful to students in today's day and age. So when we go in, we actually talk to them about topics ranging from um, correction. Mm -hmm. We know that young people sometimes have a hard time receiving correction from adults. And sometimes even adults have a hard time receiving information from young people. Mm -hmm. But we know that they have valuable things to say. Mm -hmm. And so we engage in that dialogue. So that's just an example of like one of our, our leadership training topics. Mm -hmm. um, and then in addition to that, we also do after school intensives. Those are offered year round. We take students actually to out of state trips. We mm -hmm. go on experiential learning trips as well that are local where we go from anywhere to United Airlines to horseback riding. So they develop team building skills, AT&T headquarters where they mm -hmm. meet like professionals in different industries. We do one-on-one -on -one mentorship opportunities where they like actually meet with somebody who's in a similar career field that they want to go into. Yeah. So they can actually talk and learn a little bit more about what it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully that'll inspire some hope for the future as they meet leaders and hopefully stay engaged in dialogue as they explore those opportunities. Yeah. And then in addition to that, with our young people, we have also um, ventured out into looking at ways to work more specifically with schools to bring in guest speakers that actually are meaningful to the curriculum we provide. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll do career days and we'll bring in um, with our partners like uh, pilots from United Airlines that come in and share their experiences and stories if that's an interest of theirs yeah. or different professionals from trade schools who maybe have a lot of experience and background in what it leads what it means to lead in like salons or the mechanic industry etc so they come in and they they share those experiences and allow kids to ask questions that they probably wouldn't typically ask in a normal setting. So that's that's all we do with youth. That right now is like our, our biggest piece um, and we continue to expand that platform. Sure. In addition to that, I was telling you we're expanding into sort of this young adult market. So in realizing the needs of our, our young adults, we're having a lot of alum come back and say, thank you so much for you for what you did for us in high school. Thank you for helping us get to college we're having some problems trying to stay in school. Mm. And it ranges from simple issues as, as uh, they're addressing financial aid concerns. Like, what do I do about my taxes? Yeah. My parents weren't able to file on time, so I didn't apply for financial aid. So yeah. I didn't go this year. Yeah. Like simple little things that we can help with yeah. that um, actually mean something to the longevity of a student in, in the classroom. Absolutely. Um, in addition to that, we're also looking at ways to address like a one-on-one -on -one coaching approach so that they have a coach that they can call and process different things that they're going through in the college atmosphere, learning what it is to monitor a syllabus and mm -hmm. walk through a conversation with a professor, mm -hmm. getting involved in actual clubs at the school or university so that they can succeed in that institution and feel like they're integrated mm -hmm. in a culture of success, right? So that's our biggest piece. And then with our adult programming, so this has been the most exciting for me personally because I recently went back and received a master's degree in executive leadership. Mm -hmm. So we've been looking at ways to train adult leaders mm -hmm. in various industries, nonprofit and even some corporate. Mm -hmm. So we've been invited into that space to essentially train these employees about what it means to be an effective team leader, team player, 
um, in those industries and lead well, wow. right? So one of the things we discovered is that 87%, this was a Gallup study, 87% of millennials are saying that they value professional development in any job. And then in addition to that, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics said that the average employee stays at a company for 4.2 years. Mm. So that's, that's a quick turnaround, yeah. right? And in addition to that, you're seeing companies lose money mm -hmm. because they're training these employees they're spending and investing in their benefits package, et cetera, yep. but then they're leaving within four, <laughs> four point two years, yeah. right? So what we're finding is that the reason that they're leaving is because they're not satisfied with what they're doing mm. um, and or they're not leaving bad companies, they're leaving bad leaders. Mm. So the leadership is not actually providing uh, sustainable accountability. Yep. Um, they're, not, they're not being present with them and addressing their needs and concerns. And so what we want to do is provide a training or an experience that'll help them to be better at what they do. Mm -hmm. And then in addition, involve them in some of our other programs. Yeah. Like how can you come back now that you've learned what you've learned and leave a legacy in the life of a young person yeah. or a college student. So that's sort of our approach into integrating these three platforms. That's great. Yeah. And how did you make your way to Legacy Leaders? What was your journey to this organization? Yeah, uh, an interesting one, yeah. um, definitely to say the least. Um, so. My background is probably very similar to some stories that you've heard, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to growing up in like low-income communities. Mm -hmm. I had a single-parent mother who tried to raise me under a lot of harsh circumstances. She was going through a personal illness and trying to navigate and figure out what that was was very difficult for me because I'm an only son. Mm -hmm. So no pressure there, right? Like, <laughs> I had to grow very early and understand what it meant to take on some adult responsibilities. Yeah. I grew a little bitter about that, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, there were times where I rebelled mm -hmm. because I was angry about my situation. Mm -hmm. And my environment didn't promise me much. I mean, mm -hmm. Eric, in some of these schools that we're at, um, I'm experiencing the same thing that I had growing up, yeah. where violence is rampant. You're mm -hmm. seeing early dropout rates, teen pregnancy, mm -hmm. drugs still mm -hmm. an issue, right? And so all of those things were stacked up against me. Mm -hmm. My environment didn't promise me much. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is that what I've learned is that those are two ingredients um, in a recipe mm -hmm. that involves staying at risk, being at risk, and never mm -hmm. coming out of that, right? Yeah. Those two ingredients are feeling helpless and hopeless. Mm -hmm. And that's what I had growing up. Mm -hmm. I felt helpless and hopeless. Mm -hmm. And actually that's what I still see in some of these institutions that we serve. Yeah. You got kids and even adults and families that feel helpless and hopeless with what their circumstances or environment are promising. Mm -hmm. So I was afforded a lot of opportunities because I had mentors who came alongside me mm -hmm. and didn't always tell me what I wanted to hear but what I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. When I was off track or when I had an attitude or let's say um, a wrong perception of something, they corrected that and they had no problem speaking life into areas that I needed motivation and encouragement in. Mm -hmm. And so through that process, I began to take on leadership roles at almost every company I served. Yeah. So I ended up working for Target Corporation at one point. I did extremely well there. I worked for Chicago Fire Major League Soccer. I did well there. Um, I even started working for the nonprofit industry in a university and I got promoted in the ranks there. So at almost every organization I was a part of, whether it was for-profit or nonprofit. I excelled in leadership. Mm -hmm. As I began to become more successful in that trajectory, I said to myself, okay, I'm succeeding in leadership, but what about those I'm leaving behind, mm -hmm. right? So there's this mentality sometimes that you graduate the hood, mm -hmm. per se, right? You graduate your neighborhood, 
and you, you grow out of that and you do something great, but you keep going. Very rarely do we see people go back to where they started and say, let me invest and give back to the area or the neighborhood or the community that gave back to me. So I said, you know what? I want to start an organization that does that. Mm -hmm. I want to teach them the skills that I learned along the way, but I want to do it earlier on. Mm -hmm. Let's start from a very basic grassroots level mm -hmm. and address some of these needs and and pick up the torch of leadership. Yeah. But let's come at it a little differently, mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of organizations that are doing leadership development and the term leadership is so broad. But we said, let's go in and let's leave an impact, something that they'll remember. So we started by actually putting a curriculum together. Uh, we did a workshop in one school and then the school ended up loving it. Mm -hmm. The response was phenomenal and they said, you need to come back, you need to keep, keep doing this. Now at the time I was working at another at another position with another company mm -hmm. and um, you know part of me was like I can't do that I'm working yeah. I'm working somewhere else like how am I gonna afford to to do this and and still maintain my other job and the light bulb went off and um, and the light bulb or the light that went off in me was this could be your job yeah. this could actually be what you do for a living yeah. you're changing lives and empowering people like how cool is that mm -hmm. to live the rest of your life yeah. just doing something great in the world and um, a part of me said I could live with that mm -hmm. but now I have to put some legwork behind it and that's yeah. what I did I I gathered with a group of amazing people some who are even still on our board today and I said let's do this thing yeah. here's the vision here's the platform um, can we put something together that makes sense and the more and more we did that we started to see amazing results mm -hmm. Um, actually, one of the schools that we're with um, now, that we've been a partner with for almost five years, um, we've seen tremendous success. They currently just got out of, off of academic probation. Wow. Two weeks ago, they were named a level one school. Wow. And we have serviced about 97% of that entire school. Wow. So we love that we were a part of that. Now, I'm not taking full credit for that, nor can our organization do that either. It was the staff, the administration, mm -hmm. the teams that were assembled, um, in conjunction with the partners, the community organizations like ours that came in and said, let's really do something here. And the leadership at that school really believed in us. Yeah. And they said, hey, Everett, let's expand Legacy Leaders programming here on a greater level. Mm -hmm. And because they engaged in that dialogue, we wrote a different narrative for those students. And now we're seeing the school excel beyond what we ever imagined. And so we're just happy to be a part of that process. Right. And so that's that's part of our, our story and how we got started and where we are now. That's amazing, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Congratulations to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly you're playing a role in it, right? And I think when you are able to reflect on that role and recognize that it's also part of a collective effort, then, um, then you can feel a little bit more proud, right? That it wasn't just you doing something on your own, but it was you embracing others and then doing that together yeah. for sure yeah for sure so um, you talked a little bit about issues that impacted you right and and certainly these are the same issues that are impacting young people across the city um, why don't we jump to um, what do you think Chicago can be doing better to solve for things like violence or teen pregnancy or drugs or whatever sure sure um so I feel like there's a couple opportunities mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to focus specifically on sort of the sector that I serve because mm -hmm. I feel like that's that's probably what I know a little bit more about, mm -hmm. um, if anything. So when it comes to looking at sort of these opportunity areas, um, I, I want to first point out that the way we sometimes value education 
is not always the best, right? So um, I look at the cost of what it takes to put a, a Chicago Public School student through an academic school year, and it's about, the average is about $8,000 for a student. Mm -hmm. We've heard stories like this, because when you compare it to what it takes to put a student through the juvenile detention center, right, if they're arrested or incarcerated, you're looking at about 140000 mm -hmm. So it's a significant difference, right? So we're spending more on putting kids in jail than we are on putting them through school. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem for me, because you're, you're looking at about, I want to say a little over $400 a day, right? Yeah. So when I look at that, I say to myself, okay, schools are closing, violence is increasing, and then there's strikes and other things at play. Like, why aren't we taking more time and why aren't we investing more in the value of education itself, right? And so I think there's, there's some solutions there. Yeah. And, awesome. and obviously we want to be a part of that solution. But what I always tell people in institutions is we need to be the, the ones that change that perception, yeah. right? We not only need to invest more into our schools, but we also need to challenge our schools to invest more into quality programming and initiatives and, and things that actually uproot our kids to higher standards, mm -hmm. right? And we have to set the bar. We can't just set it low because we acknowledge that kids are in these low-income communities, so we should expect low, low things from them or low expectations. We have to increase that and set it high and help them along the way to get there yeah. so that they don't feel lost in the shuffle, right? Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, I also want to point out that I think that our students in general just deserve better. Mm -hmm. And our families, our, our partners, we need to fight for the value of that education yeah. and we need to expect more just in general. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I was thinking about as you asked this question is um, our perception on leadership, mm -hmm. just period. All right, so there are a lot of great leaders in the, here in the city of Chicago and I feel that um, you know, as you, as you look at their work, I mean, you're finding that some, some are hard to reach, mm -hmm. right, because they're doing so many things, they're so busy. Mm -hmm. um, but those are the leaders that we need in the schools. Mm -hmm. Those are the leaders that we actually need to come back and speak to others so that yeah. they can grow in advance. And I don't mean just students. I mean teachers. I mean educators. Yeah. I mean professionals who are still living in these communities and want development themselves so that mm -hmm. they know how to give back. Mm -hmm. We need to invite those into this space. Um, and then in addition to that, we need to look at how we create future leaders as organizations. So organizations that are out there that have been doing leadership development for years and there's some great ones, by the way. Like, how do we invest in quality leadership programming, mm -hmm. right? So I'll give, you, I'll give you a story that kind of sums up what I mean. We had a young student, um, and her name was Rosa, and I asked if permission to share her story, and yeah. she said it was fine. Yeah. Who, who's graduated and is doing well? And she was part of our program when we first started. Mm -hmm. So she was one of our... Our, our, our Early new, adopters. Yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And of course we're nervous, right? Because yeah. we're, we're piloting this stuff and we're like, oh, please God, let this work, right? Yeah. Um, and and th thank God that it did. Like we've yeah. seen tremendous results and whatnot. But with this particular student, um, she was very quiet, very timid, but we saw an interest in the work that we were doing with her. Yeah. And she sought us out. She got involved in our after-school intensives. She went on some of our out-of-state retreats and, and whatnot. Um, but in the process of that, we started to notice that there was something very distinct about Rosa. Mm. She had the potential for greatness, but it wasn't cultivated yet. Something wasn't stirred up. And then we saw that there was a wall, there was a barrier. A lot of times, by the way, this is, this is what motivates me. Yeah. I see young people and I see their potential for greatness, and I'm like, oh my God, it drives me nuts that 
we have not pulled this out of this young person yet. We got to do this now, right? Mm -hmm. How do we start? And so I, I took a special invested interest in developing Rosa one-on-one, -on -one, and I worked with even one of her teachers, who also does a phenomenal job at just engaging students in dialogues about their feelings and yeah. what they're going through. So as we're teaching them leadership lessons, I'm challenging Rosa about some things that are going on personally. Mm -hmm. And um, we end up having a conversation with her and me and some of my staff and even the teacher that I was mentioning. We got involved and we found out that she was being sexually abused at home. Oh my gosh. Right? Mm -hmm. by, by someone close to her family. Mm -hmm. And usually that happens often. Mm -hmm. you, you hear stories about that and you don't believe it, but it's usually those who are closest to you. That's yeah. what we're finding out in research. Yeah. That the abusers are usually those who are, who yeah. are in the family. So um, we obviously had to report it as mandated reporters. Mm -hmm. We had to get other individuals involved to mm -hmm. assist with that, that situation. She, of course, was scared. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that helped us reach her on that level and even allow her to trust us with this situation was trust. Mm -hmm. So part of one of our leadership development concepts is how do you trust other people and how do you build trust with others and what things have deterred you from allowing you to trust, yeah. right? So through that trusting process, we were able to get her the help that she needed, but it created a rift between her and her mother. Mm -hmm. They actually didn't get along. Mm -hmm. And Rosa was so adamant about leaving her circumstance that Eric, she actually got engaged. Yeah, wow. she, was, she was 17 going on 18 years old and she was about to get married. Wow. And as, yeah. And I had to explore that with her and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And we began to understand that a part of why she she sort of wanted to get married so young was because she wanted to leave her house. Mm -hmm. She didn't feel supported. She didn't mm -hmm. feel loved. Mm -hmm. And she was confused about the future. Mm -hmm. So by walking with her through that process and actually engaging in um, a healing, mm -hmm. a healing moment, right? Mm -hmm. We talked to her about forgiveness, mm -hmm. which is something that's not always communicated in leadership development. Yeah. How do you forgive people? Because it affects you. Yeah. And we started to see that Rosa, little by little, she turned anger mm -hmm. into something more positive. And this was actually tested. Mm -hmm. So we had a fundraiser, Eric, at a, a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And this particular family member was told to stay away from the family, right? On this day, we when we had this fundraiser at this restaurant, um, all of our students were servers or hosts, like they were doing a variety of things. Yeah. And little Rosa was actually one of the servers. Mm -hmm. Her her family showed up, and this particular individual, the abuser, showed up as well mm -hmm. at the table. Mm -hmm. I go and I find Rosa, and she's in tears. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And she says, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I said, do what? Mm -hmm. Like, I was I was confused. I didn't know what was taking place. yeah, yeah. yeah. And she had, she had basically told me that the abuser was at the table. She hadn't seen him in close to a year. And, um, and she was very upset that her family had brought them over, but yeah. they were sitting at her table. Mm -hmm. So she's like, what do I do? And I said, well, this is your leadership defining moment. Mm -hmm. And I said, now you know that we're gonna cover you no matter what. We got your back, yeah. we're here. Mm -hmm. And she of course knew that. And I said, so if you need me to call the police and have this individual removed, or we can actually ask them yeah. to leave the facility themselves. We can do that. Yeah. Um, and she says, or, and I said, the other option is that you serve them. Mm. We taught you about being a service-minded leader, right? Yeah. Serve them and practice the healing and forgiveness that we talked about. And um, I said, but you make the decision. No matter what, they'll know this. We'll be watching you. We'll be protecting you, we'll be covering you, and we'll be with you, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to leave your side, mm -hmm. no matter what. And um, she said, okay. 
She says, I made my decision. And I said, well, what's, what's your decision, right? I'm just standing there in suspense. And she says, you'll see. Mm. So about five minutes later, I see her go up to the table and she serves these individuals, mm. including the one who abused her. And um, that was probably one of the most proudest moments I've ever had mm. in this history of our programming. Mm -hmm. Because Rosa chose to forgive someone who hurt her. And then in addition to that, she made the decision to not let it control her, which I feel a lot of lot of individuals do mm -hmm. like they see a situation that's not always positive and they say this this controls me instead mm -hmm. of doing the opposite and saying no I'm gonna control this yeah. I'm not gonna let it just overtake me and since then I've seen Rosa go to college and excel at a university I've seen her work I've seen her provide for her family I've seen her heal mm -hmm. with the relationships that she's had with her family that was sort of distraught and she's just such a positive and optimistic person yeah. that that's what motivates me to continue building leaders. Yeah. And that's what I feel Chicago needs is quality and sound leaders yeah. for the future. Yeah. What type of literature informs your perspective on leadership? Sure. Um, it's a great question. Well, I'm a big fan of John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. Huge fan of John Maxwell's work. So anything John Maxwell I can get my hands on, I'm pretty much always looking looking at um, I actually got a chance to meet him this year, which for me was phenomenal because I followed his, his career for like 10 years. In addition to that, I look at, um, and, and this, is, this is just because of my own background, so I'm, I'm very passionate about faith. Um, I believe in a higher power, mm -hmm. and I read some faith-based books that offer me perspective on purpose and how mm -hmm. to live out sort of your calling, so to speak. And so um, I, I read Lori Beth Jones, mm -hmm. like she's written a book called Jesus CEO, but then in addition to that, there's one called The Path mm -hmm. that I like a lot, and it talks about how to address creating your own personal mission for your life, mm -hmm. and how do you do that in a real way. I'll tell you that those types of books help you to stay more committed to your call, mm -hmm. um, because in running an organization, you have these long nights where you question, am I doing the right thing, yeah. or is this making sense? Or when funding isn't coming through the way that you think it should, right? You're like, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. And when you revisit your mission and you understand a little bit more about who you are and what you're called to do in the world, you start to appreciate how you lead a little bit better right? yeah. and, and what you're doing a little bit more. Yeah. So those are the kinds of books that sort of influence me. And then, you know, another great one, and this is just for the nonprofit side, is uh, it's called The Blueprint. Okay. And um, that one's written by Rosalind Blossengame. Okay. And so she's uh, an executive director actually at Link Scholars, and oh, she, yeah. she was a previous uh, sort of boss of mine and a mm -hmm. mentor even now in Friend. And her blueprint book has been an amazing guide to just examining how to do nonprofit leadership well. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that influenced me. That's great. Yeah. How, how could folks help you or legacy leaders continue to do this great work? Sure. Um, it's a great question. I, I would say make a decision mm -hmm. to get involved, mm -hmm. right? A lot of times I run into individuals where when we tell them about our work, they, they, they think that they have to have it all together. Mm -hmm. And some of them have never volunteered or worked with a nonprofit. And I'm like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Just make a commitment. Make a decision to say, I'm going to try this out and see what happens. Mm. What I tell a lot of individuals is that when you invest your time, your resources, and your creative juices, right? Because yeah. we need those as well. Because sometimes as nonprofit directors, we don't always see what others see outside. And sometimes that makes a significant difference for funding, for program expansion, for quality 
uh, assessments and things that we're doing. And, and I feel that if people were to make more of a conscious effort to get involved and invest in a nonprofit, organizations like ours would continue to thrive and succeed, but mm -hmm. get the resources that we actually need. So mm -hmm. I would actually say make, make a decision to get involved. Mm -hmm. um, you hear a lot of uh, organizations have this call of similar action, like mm -hmm. get involved, get invested, get committed. But what I also say is look at this as not just an investment into the organization, look at it as an investment into yourself, mm -hmm. right? Because when you get involved with a nonprofit, it's for a cause. Yeah. You're learning about yourself in the process. Yeah. You're learning about what you can give. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it may not be a lot. Sometimes it may be a little bit of your time or showing up to an event or a donation, but mm -hmm. it's significant enough to that cause and the people that they're trying to serve. Yeah. So that's what I would say. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for the time today, Everett. Sure. It's good to see you, man. Likewise, Congratulations man. Congratulations on all the success. Thank you, and thanks for the honor and the privilege to be a part of this podcast. Absolutely. Much appreciated. For sure. Thanks for tuning in. That was Everett Gutierrez of Legacy Leaders International. As always, I appreciate you tuning in. If you're enjoying our conversations, please jump on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice and leave a five-star review. It'll go a long way in helping us connect to new listeners. We've got a great round of conversations coming up, so I hope you'll continue to stay tuned. Until then... Peace and Happy New Year.